You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. All right, why don't you open your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs chapter 29. And one of the things that I find so excited about being planted in this house is that we have a vision. Every year, God slants us in a particular direction. He directs us just in small increments to what He wants us to do. Not that we're leaving the past behind, but we're always increasing. You see, in Proverbs chapter 29, it tells us where there is no revelation, where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. That means we do what we want to do. We don't do what God wants us to do. We get distracted. Oh, family, distraction is a key element of the enemy's arsenal. We want to do things. We have a heart, we have an intention, and then distraction comes. We can be distracted by so many different things, even arguments, even um, temptation into into new uh, businesses. We can end up being distracted and leaving behind what we need to do. The NIV translation says it this way. It says, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. When we get revelation, we need to hear and we need to do. The word heed is not just to listen to. It is to put into practice that which we are told to do. So we can get vision and not heed it, and it won't affect our lives. I like This particular translation, the Passion Translation, puts it this way. It says, where there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. So the promise of God is that when we apply the vision and put the vision into practice or bring it into our lives, that the things of heaven are lined up for us. The reason God put you in this house is because He wants you to hear the prophetic voice of God to give you vision for the year. Now, in the beginning of this year, one of the things that we were told is that God wants us to focus on the Scripture, Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first. Seek first. Now, that statement by Jesus, if you you were one of these guys that go out and do motivational speaking, you'd understand the power of the concept of seeking first. What you place as your priority in life will draw your attention, okay? But he said first, he said we must seek it. Now, when I grew up, we used to have a game called hide and seek. Okay? Anybody played hide and seek? Yeah. All right. Hide and seek required you to seek. Okay? If you turned around after counting, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and everybody was standing there, it would be seek and find. There's no hiding in it. And there were some kids that really never got it. Okay? But there was always one kid that knew how to hide. And you had to leave your place, put effort into, risk leaving the mark where you had to block yourself to find that person. So when Jesus said, seek, 
He's telling you to put effort and passion and concentration into what? First, the kingdom of God. First things first. What does God rate in His kingdom as important in our lives? What does He want us to do from a kingdom perspective? Don't get distracted in all the other things. You see, this morning I want to speak to you about something that I really struggled to get past in the, in the 40 minutes they gave me and I failed. So the first service, I'm very sorry. But I want to talk to you this morning about marriage. I've entitled this Marriage, God's Fortress for Expansion. Because something else that God said to us, He said, this is the time for expansion. But if you're going to expand... If you study history and the expansion of civilizations, when a civilization came into an area and conquered the area, the first thing they put up was a fortification that would allow them to solidify the expansion that they were going to activate. If you did not solidify your occupation of an area, it was easy for the enemy to draw you into ambushes and all the rest of it begin to attack you and ultimately drive you out. But what they would do was that they would build a fortress and that allowed them to dominate the area. If the enemy was getting ahead of and coming back too strongly, they could just retreat into the fortress, wait for that to go and then continue the expansion. So I was beginning to meditate, I was thinking, Lord, what do you want me to speak on? And he said, Danny, I want you to speak on marriage. Now, you don't have to ask me twice to speak on marriage, because I love marriage. I mean, when I get to heaven, the first thing I do is going to grab Father's hand, I'm going to say, thank you so much for marriage. If it wasn't for marriage, I would not be the man I am today. I can tell you now. If you met me when I was a teenager, you'd be scared. You'd say, hang on, how do you get to be standing on the pulpit? Okay. If I look at who I was, what I was, if it wasn't for marriage, I wouldn't be here, okay? So I know the power of marriage. I also know the difficulties of marriage, okay? God, God didn't set me up with somebody that made it marriage perfect. Okay, there you go, you get everything you want. He gave me a Dutch girl. Okay, I have to say it in English because not everybody speaks Afrikaans. But you get stubborn, then you get more stubborn, then you get most stubborn, and then you get Dutch. Okay? And she's sitting right there. She, she's smiling because she knows. Her, one of her strongest qualities is that she's stubborn. You know God chose Israel because they were a stubborn people. When they're stubborn for God, there's nothing they can't do. Okay? Marriage is a fortress. Marriage is a fortress. Let me go about reminding us about something. First of all, Jesus tells us in John 13, verse 35, it says, By this the world will know that you are my disciples, if you have Love one for another. Not if we preach fancy messages. Not if we accumulate all the wealth. Not if we conquer everything. If we have love one for another. You know the sad indictment of the church? 
is that if you go, and we don't have South African studies, if you go to American studies, 50% of the marriages that take place in church fail. Love never fails. So where's the love for one another? Where's the testimony? Jesus told us in Matthew 22, he says, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second most important is similar. Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. All these commandments and all the demands of the prophets stem from these two laws and are fulfilled if you obey them. Don't have to get anything else right. Just love. Just love. Love your neighbor. My closest neighbor, I know when I wake up in the morning, lies right next door to me. If I can't love her, I can't love anybody else. If I can't love the one God called me to, how am I going to love people I don't even know? I haven't even met. So where do I need to work from first? My marriage. Where must I invest first? My marriage. Today we're going to talk a little bit about upgrading. Because in this society we love upgrades. Man, the new cell phone is out. It's going to change your life. It is spectacular. It is, I mean, it's so different. Two pixels better on the camera. That's it. But we want it. You buy a new car, you drive up the lot, you drive down the road. There's the upgrade. Oh, man. It's so much better than mine. It's got one extra strip and it goes down slightly like that at the back. But we want to upgrade. We come into this vision, we start every new year, we, we have this great expectation. I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose 20 kilograms this year. I'm going to have a great harvest. I'm going to build my business. We have all, the, and then get to the end of the year, nothing's changed. Why? Because we don't upgrade like the world wants us to upgrade. We need to make the small changes. We need to make the small adaptions. Because when we, cho- when we are faithful with the little, you know how I've seen blessing take place in my life? Those at the back may not see this. Small step, small step, small step, small step, small step, small step. This is boring, Lord. Small step, small step. Oh, Lord, I'm getting frustrated. Small step. Massive leap. When I prove faithful with the little, suddenly I move into the, as I said, the suddenly takes place. And then you won't. You go back to the small step, small step. Marriage is like that. You want to have great transformation? Do the small adjustments. What has God been calling you to do? Because God set marriage up. God called this. I'm going to take you to the scripture now. And when you read it, you're going to understand why the enemy is hitting marriages so badly. Why he focuses on destroying marriages. Look at this particular scripture. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 31. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Then Paul says this. He says, this is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. I'm talking about Christ and the church. What's he talking about? 
marriage. I'm talking about Christ and the church. Christ, the anointed one, and his anointing. What was the revelation that Peter said that changed his ministry? Jesus said to him, who do the people say I am? And Peter replied and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, upon that rock, upon that rock, the gates of hell will not prevail. Now, if you've been in church recently, we've helped you to understand the gates of hell are the defensive mechanisms of hell. That means whatever hell has taken and has stored will not stop Christ and the church moving in. But Peter just said, marriage is like Christ and the church. Come on, take the leap, understand that your marriage empowers you to invade hell. What it stole, it must give back. When we go through the scriptures, you're gonna be understanding the enemy cannot say no when a marriage is working as God wanted it to do. Now you know why he's come to stop that. Because if I can get the marriages to be out of unity, they can't achieve what Christ can achieve in them. You need, that's a profound mystery. People, we, we look at one scripture and, we, and in it is hidden stuff so that the enemy and the world just doesn't see it. But God designed marriage. He designed it with a purpose. You know, that scripture changes our understanding of marriage. Because the world wants you to watch all these sitcoms in which marriages are made fun of. The husband is an idiot, the wife does all the work and the children are rebellious. That's not God's description. I'm not the idiot in my house. My wife doesn't spend her time complaining about me watching TV, not doing anything. My children are not rebellious. And you know what? We're taking ground all the time. We started with nothing and we are not where we used to be. My generations are already further ahead than me. Oh man, they're so much further ahead than me. Why? Because it's like Christ and the church. When we understand that revelation, you see the enemy wants us to think, well, we're all in the same boat, you know, the old ball and chain, you know, uh, marriage is boring. I've been together with the same woman for 44 years. There's nothing boring about what we do. I'm having more fun today than I was having in the days when I couldn't afford fun. And we had to make our own fun. Some of you won't understand, but when you get married, you will. So marriage is the foundation of the church. God builds the church. We, marriage starts as the church. I have church when I wake up in the morning. I look across at my wife. That's church. When two are gathered in my name, we were put together in his name. All right? If I wake up in the morning and go, oh, no, Lord, I'm in trouble, then we're out of church. Oh, come on now. Why do you think he says, don't go to sleep? Angry. You don't want to wake up out of church. You want to wake up in church. Because that's where Christ is. The Bible says where two agree on anything, it shall be done for them. 
I wake up in the morning, sweetie, the Lord, the Lord is calling us to pray over this child, that situation, this. The two of us are in agreement. You know, with one thing, I can go up to Pastor Dalen right now. And I say, Pastor Dalen, won't you come into agreement with me, with me or something? And I know my brother loves me. He's going to go, sure, I'm going to come into agreement. And I put down my horrendous situation, whatever it is that just happened. And he's going to be empathetic and he's going to pray with faith and then he's going to go home and carry on with his own life. But my wife, she's with me the whole time. We're walking side by side. When we're in agreement, we are always in agreement. This, this, the giant that's facing me is the giant that's facing her and we're both going at this giant. But, you know, God raised this to be a the reason for marriage, he says, is godly offspring. I'll show you the scripture later. I'm ahead of myself. I don't want to go back. Godly offspring. So now I don't just have the two of us. I can call on three sons, two daughters, and I can even tell my grandson to come into agreement. Now you understand why the Carmichael Green clan is taking ground. We, we are the church. My sons are men of faith. They're married women of faith. They come into agreement with us and they have the same passion and intensity to wake up every day and say, no devil, give it back. No devil, give it back. Now you understand why Pastor Alan and Janine keep going forward because they have raised godly children and their children have brought in godly men and they are growing that. You see the Phoenicia? Just go look the Phoenicia family. You could look at families that are in Christ doing what God wanted us to do. They go forward. And I'm going to show you why. The Bible tells us this is God's design. God's design. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. Now I know that spirit. I know that spirit. But the image of God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's three that work as one. Three that work as one. In the image of God, He created Him. Male and female, He created them. We're going to find when God designs man, there's only one. But He's created them. God always designed man to be them. Okay? In the image of God. Husband, wife, God. God, husband, wife. Triune, just as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're meant to be flowing in unity. That's how He designed, that's how He created them. He gives them a purpose. He says, be fruitful, verse 28, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. Fill the earth. Have dominion. For me to have dominion, when I send my son out, he must go out in the same image that we have. With the same word that we have. That when he dominates that area, it's in the name of God. The reason God wants us to have dominion is not for ourselves, but for the kingdom. So when they go out in the name of God with the same image, that has dominion. As soon as they lose that image, as soon as they do it for themselves or they don't get the word, that doesn't belong to God. It still has to be won back for the kingdom. 
Have a look. Let's, they, why the kings in the old days, they had sons and they would go out and conquer and they'd make their son the king of that area. Why? Because now the family is together. We are a family. When you take ground, the Bay Christian Family Church takes ground. When your family takes ground, it comes in alongside with my family and we're right up there and they go back enemy. Give back to all of us. We don't want to get, create weak spots where the enemy comes in behind. No, we go forward as the army of God. Dominion, take back, have a fortress that he cannot come against. We know that in Matthew, or Malachi chapter two, it's verse 15, he said there, I want godly offspring. Why? So we can have dominion everywhere we fill. So why is it such a fortress? Why is marriage such a fortress? Number one, because the Lord put two into one and then brought the one out of the other one so that it is exactly the same as the one. You see, this is where the church has been divided for too long. When God said this in Genesis 2.18, he says, it's not good that man should be alone. Now, I could teach on that for a while, but I don't have time. When God said not good, I know it's the first time he says not good, everything was good. In my opinion, when I look at some of the, the people that teach on this, it's not finished because he started by saying, I created them male and female. I've only got one. I have to finish the completion. The design has to be completed. I'll show man that you can't love and work with a cat and a dog the same way you can work with a woman. Okay, so let me show you what they all can do. That's not their purpose. I'm not one of those people that think we should save the whales before we save children. We feed the children before we feed the whales. Because they are not the same. But that's just me. You can take it, leave it. Don't fight with me afterwards. I know some of us love the bunnies and it's good. Genesis chapter 2, 22 to 23. And the man said... This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. There is no difference. The only difference is the womb. That's why she's a womb man. Where's this weakness? If it's the same, where's the weakness? Where's the concept that men are stronger? Yeah, but God, God made man first. Yeah, he didn't make him different. Comparable. My wife is as strong as a spiritual being as I am. Oh, my man. And, and, crap up, Poke the bear. You'll find out how strong she really is. Oh my word. I was once brave enough as a young Christian to go, you know, God said you must submit to me. I think those were the scariest moments of my life. And I have 14 wars. Oh Lord. I do not even want to begin to think what it takes to carry children to birth. Ah, ah. I'd rather run 56 kilometers, 90 kilometers. It's not a problem. I do not want to walk that road. The strength 
She wakes up earlier than me and she often goes to bed later than me at night. She goes on all the time. I will still sit and watch some footy and she will be working. I say, sweetheart, do you, you want to come and sit? No, I've got stuff to do. It never stops. She never stops. And let me want to deviate from the faith that God has called me to. I'm going to find a rock that's going to put me right back. Tell me that women are the weaker sex. That's not what Paul was saying. He was saying they're special. He was saying they are worthy of honor because the, the society that they were living in wasn't giving them the honor in which they were living or they demanded. All right, so don't let me get caught there. See, that's another. Danny, don't get distracted. Stay focused. Okay. All right. So we understand that God calls this as a fortress. He brings two of the same and he puts them in this alignment with himself. Now we've got father, husband, wife. Two agreeing, three agreeing. There's nothing that's going to stop this, all right? Now, we understand how important this is. Because in Malachi chapter 2, verse 13, the Bible says, and this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying, so he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. When a husband and a wife move out of unity, the seed loses its power. It's not rocket science, family. Divorce is financially one of the most crippling events that will ever take place. That wasn't what the kingdom intended. He intended you to take dominion, take ground, expand, grow, not to have setbacks where we now need to recoup and work through things. And then we, we think that you know, we can sow and we can tithe. But the thing is, covenant speaks to covenant. If I'm a covenant with my wife, my covenant with God is secure. Amen. I can bring all the, the tithe I want. He just said, the offering is disregarded. In fact, Peter tells us that if a man doesn't deal well with his wife, his prayers are hindered. Now, I know, ladies, you go busy going, you listen to me, your husband. But the truth of the matter is, if you don't deal well with your husband, your prayers are, we're not talking, we're talking about the unity, yeah? Why? Because we too agree on something. As soon as we're out of our roles, our prayers. None of us want to sit in a situation where what we're praying for doesn't change. That's why the enemy comes after your marriage before he comes after your stuff. Everything looks to be so comfortable, everything is going nice, and now we've got time to irritate each other. Not make the upgrades that are important right now. Not the upgrades are in our heart, in our actions. We don't do that because now, you know, things are not, you know, we, when you're in trouble, you're all in the trenches and you're together. You got my back, you got my back. Then the enemy gets go. Then now it's a little bit easier. Now we've got time to. Oh, is that how you want to do your hair? You laugh at me. These stupid things that couples come to for counseling about. 
The, the, the start of the irritation, the frustrations, the niggling. And you can go, the enemy is a creep. He just creeps into little places. And before we know it, now suddenly he's after the stuff and now we need to get into unity. But unity doesn't happen just because we want it. Unity, God's not moved by fakeness. He knows what is true. The enemy knows what is true. Let me say to you now, storms come to marriage because he knows it's the cornerstone of God's church. Why is our, why is our church always growing? Because Apostle Ellen and Pastor Janine honor marriage. It's the cornerstone. We attract people that honor marriage. We want to raise children that are godly. We're of the household that says, I didn't ask my child if it wants to go to school on Monday, wants to eat the broccoli and the cauliflower. I tell them to. So I don't ask my child, do you want to go to children's church? You're going to children's church. We're going to pray. We're going to read the Bible. We're going to raise our children in the way because they don't know what's good for them yet. I know the world says they can feel it. But the truth of the matter is feelings are not what's good for you. If I, fe- if I ate everything I felt like eating, I would fill the stage. I'm a chocoholic. Confess my, my addiction. I have to say no. You see, when you, something you do every day is the reason for your success. When you're constantly doing the right things, the good things, they eventually begin to see the changes, the worthwhileness of it, the dangers of it. If you're daily eating a donut, and my son immediately looks at my wife. Because at one stage they sneaked, because dad's rule was no sugar from Monday to Friday. But wifey's raising the third child, you know. The first one you raise, the second one you bring up, and the third you drag up. (laughs) You've learned all the things you don't have to be scared about. You know all the things that you, and and she used to take him to pick and pay every day and you get a donut. And there was a stage when they looked at him and they said, there's something different about you. Well, that stage had to change. He immediately got back into gym and stopped doing that. They don't eat the sugar anymore because they know how dangerous it is for them. If you do something bad or difficult or, or wrong every day, it's going to lead to a climax where suddenly something happens. And we go, how did this happen? It's been coming. So we need to understand When we look at what God's called us to, He gives us the vision for a strong marriage. But He doesn't always give us the easy things because the storms in your marriage reveal where you are. They reveal the state of your fortress. You see, when I first got married, I came from a very different household. My dad, by the time I got to the age of 12, my dad was an alcoholic. So marriage changed dramatically for me. I grew up with a particular attitude. I was born again, I was spirit-filled, but I'm gonna be the head of my household. On a collision course with the Dutch, okay? You don't tell the Dutch what to do, you invite them to follow you where you need to go. My wife grew up in a household 
where two, three children died, okay? Very, very different how parents treat their children. They, grew, they, they were growing up in Holland during the Second World War. They thought potato skins was a wonderful meal. Can you understand that finances is a bit of a problem there? And I'm gonna be the head of this household and I'm gonna exercise faith and I'm gonna, and suddenly I realize that you don't know everything about faithing in the next harvest. We haven't been taught about these things. And I begin to realize that the things that I painted, the picture, it wasn't materializing fast enough. And we started to find arguments happening on a regular basis. And when, when, when you argue with a Dutch, it goes from, and I mean, we were together. I mean, as I said, we were together for 44 years. I've dated her since I was, she was 16 and I was 18. We've been through so much, yet now we get married and we're arguing in serious manners. And there's nothing godly about the way you argue, okay? Let's just confess it. Once you start getting into the argument, godliness is now left. Okay, And all the techniques that you learnt in your home are the ones you're resorting to. Until the Holy Spirit stopped me one day and said, you're getting that angry because you're scared. I'm not scared. What am I scared about? You're scared that she's going to wake up and realise she could have married better. You can't provide the way you said you could. And it was true. I was married to the woman that I loved with all, with, with everything I had since I was a little boy. <laughs> now I can't provide. And she's going to wake up one day and realize. And so I go to my wife and I tell her, this is how my fortress looks. And she says, if I have to sleep with you in the car, I'm going to love you. And the enemy suddenly loses all his power and we come together and we start working finances together step by slowly, slowly, slowly. Oh Lord, this is difficult, but we're together. I'm not gonna lose anything. We're together. And then suddenly we move into places where it looks so different. It's the fortress. Now look, look at Abraham and Sarah. I mean, this is the father of faith family. God calls him to be the father of many nations. He's married to a woman that's not fertile. Surely God saw that coming. Surely he could have chosen a better couple. I don't need you to be fertile. I can do that like that. I can sort out that like that. All I need you to do is come into unity. But Abraham's not even a great husband. He twice offers Sarah to Pharaoh for the harem because she's beautiful so that he can save his own skin. I mean, the man's chicken. And Sarah still calls him master, calls him Lord. What kind of woman are we talking about? No, she's not perfect. She offers him uh, Hagar. And then when he sleeps with Hagar, blames him for sleeping with Hagar when it was her idea. We've all been there. But they continue step by step in the faith and the purpose that God called them to. And then there's Isaac. And then there's Jesus. 
Rebecca, she gets handpicked by God for Isaac. Handpicked. She's beautiful. She's a beautiful, servant-hearted woman. I mean, I'm sure that when Rebecca gets off the camel, Isaac just goes, thank you, Jesus. Because the Bible says she was so beautiful. Imagine you send the servant away. You have no idea what's getting off the camel when he comes back. And God doesn't just give him a servant heart. He gives him a beautiful woman. A man who you just heard Pastor Dalen talk about. Who heard God's voice and sowed in a drought. You could hear God's... Fast forward. He's lying on his deathbed. He doesn't die. He's alive when Jacob comes out of Canaan with all his wealth. He doesn't die. So how spiritual must you be when you don't even know that you're not dying? How spiritual must you be when you love the son who doesn't love God the way he should? Who's marrying or, and you wanna give him the blessing. How spiritual was he at that moment? That means we all go through stuff, family. There are times when the enemy is hitting your spouse and they don't get it all right, but that doesn't change the covenant and it doesn't change the promise because when, ja- when Isaac lays his hands on Jacob, the blessing is transferred. A man who is blind, uh, family, it's my opinion that he most probably has something like diabetes because you lose your sight in that, you feel very, very weak and he was a man Isaac had developed a passion for fancy eating, which is why he liked Esau, who went out and did all the hunting. Didn't like Jacob because Jacob stayed at home in the tents and, and looked after things. How spiritual is that? And yet they still accomplish and still walk in the fullness that God wanted them to have. The, the blessing of God is irrevocable. The blessing of God. What God has called your marriage to, I know what you may be going through, but what He called you to, there's no end to that promise. If you will just align and fix the fortress, all of that has to come back. Because when you go to the gates of hell and you say, give it back, the two of us and the third one are now in agreement, He cannot resist you. Whatever the enemy intended. Because God's call is irrevocable. Ah, Jacob uh, Jacob marries Rachel. I mean, that's the romantic one. He falls in love with her. He works seven years. and, And the day they get married, realizes that it's not her. So he works another seven years for nothing, just for a woman. I mean, ladies, how romantic is that? And over the next seven years, accumulates such wealth by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. She watched him do it day by day to the point where he's so much more wealthy than Laban, her own father. And when she leaves, she takes idols with her. Sometimes the spouse that God united us with doesn't have everything in place. The storms reveal it. And when they reveal it and we upgrade, we start changing the power of this fortress so that when we expand, 
That which God adds, the enemy can't steal. Now you're really in dominion. Because once God starts to add and you have a strong fortress, now the enemy cannot come and steal. And if he gets in for a little bit, you know you'll weather that and you'll push out again because the two have become one. That's the power of the marriage. So I wanna finish today with just reminding us of what God calls us to do in this marriage. Ephesians chapter five, let's finish here. 21, verse 21 says, submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. Let's start with that. I know we're gonna go to the next scripture that says, wives, submit to your husbands. But notice that it says, submit one to another. The nature of submission is in the kingdom of God. We follow the Lord our God and he has structures and he has put in place that which he will lead us through. If we learn to submit one to another, it's not just wives submitting to husbands, husbands are in submission. Ladies, find a man who will submit to the man of God in his life. Find a man who will submit to the man of God in your life. Then you know if stuff goes wrong, he's got somebody that will hold him accountable. It's not your job to hold him accountable. That's not how God's designed you. I wish I could stop and just meditate on that, but I can't. Then it says, wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Your own husbands. Uh, women, they're not called to submit to every man. There will be men that will need to submit to you because of your position in the workplace or whatever it is. Your, your boy child submits to the mother. Ten-year-old doesn't tell mommy what to do. Ah, that's not how the kingdom of God works. You obey your parents. <laughs> Get that one right, because I can see some parents have lost a little bit of that from time to time. Visit the children's church, and they go, whoa, hang on. Who's in charge here? All right? That's part of the fortress. It says, submit to your own husbands. Now, let's just stop there for a moment. The word submission in the kingdom of God is not degradation. Let me ask you this question. Doesn't Jesus have all authority on earth and in heaven. So if you go into heaven, isn't he the one with all authority? You see, we all go, no, hang on, but the Father sits on the throne. Yes, God sits on the throne, but he gave all authority to Jesus. Jesus is in submission, and because he has submission, he has all authority. Because he does nothing that the Father tells him, God gives him everything. It's not because he wants to be first or last or anything. It's because they work in love and unity. Love and faith. Then it says to husbands, it says, husbands, love your wives. Oh. It doesn't just say love your wives. Love their wives as they love their own bodies. Love their their wives as Christ loved the church. The comparisons here are immense. Husbands, our job is to love. Love, honor, respect, everything that goes with it. 
Love your wives, not everybody else. Love your, the first focus, yeah, is love your wives. I'm always amazed. Why does God say wives must submit, husbands must love? It's not by accident. See, husbands, it's very easy for us to get distracted. We can love work. We can love golf. <laughs> but, we, but God doesn't call us to love those things. He says, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That kind of love is sacrificial. It means you die to self. I had to die to self. As soon as I started dating the one I loved, I know when I start telling you the story, we drive up to the cafe. I say to her, sweetie, would you like something? I'm gonna go buy myself a packet of chips and a cold drink. Would you like? No, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I go inside, I buy my packet of chips, buy my cold drink, get into my car. I'm driving away and I hear the packet open. <laughs> I thought you didn't want anything. Oh, I'm just gonna have one or two. I had to learn to die to self. Put stuff in the fridge even today. It can even go, Dad's pizza left over. It's gone by the next day. You learn to die to self. It's not about us anymore. It's about the kingdom. And the kingdom is what God brought into that kingdom. And it's first of all my wife. Ladies, the reason God says submit is because you're equal. You have the same authority. You have the same power. You have the same ability. Yours is a choice. It's an act of faith. God, I believe that you are leading. Does it make it perfect? Will they make mistakes? Yes, doesn't change anything. I believe my faith is in God, not in my husband. My submission is unto God, and therefore I'm submitting unto my husband. Once we understand that, we understand the design, because God knows that faith combined with love can conquer everything, does conquer everything. So this morning, if you are with your spouse, let's stand. If you're not here with your spouse, please also stand because your confession is as important. You're here with your spouse, I want you to look, turn to your spouse and look at them. Not me, I'm not your spouse, my wife is watching you. Look at your spouse. Take them by the hand, look into their eyes, Remember that you covenanted with them in front of God. You said, I take you. And when you did that, God came into that covenant. And that covenant doesn't end in God's eyes. Say this, Father, I thank you for my spouse. I know we are a fortress. You designed us to resist the enemy, to be one, to conquer, to have dominion, to expand, we commit today to that vision. Husbands, tell your wives this. Say, I love you like Christ loved the church. I'm prepared to lay down my life, to make the changes, to build the fortress that you and I can live safely in. Wives, look at your husband and say this. I choose again to submit to you. You are God's choice for me. Together, we will achieve all God has called us to. Now together say this, Father, you heard our commitment. 
we are strengthening this fortress. We know storms will come. But every attack has set at naught. And we will achieve everything you have promised. Your call is irrevocable in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. <laughs>